There are two keys to being spiritually fit, and I think I've talked about these a lot. Let's say if we want to get physically fit, what are some keys? I would say two keys, diet and exercise. Sound pretty good? I think that would pretty much describe it right there. Being spiritually fit. There are two examples, and the two examples of those are you coming in to sit here? Is there a problem? Oh, you're getting the gloves. I don't even know what I'm saying now. It's just one of those days, one of those nights, one of those weekends. And uh, no, Belinda, I'll give you a good hint next time. Let me get, help you. Go through the back door over there and then just peek in and grab them. If you just go through the back, what? If you go through the back door, you just sneak in real quick and I'll never know. Have a good time with the kids. Enjoy them. To be physically fit, you need, I'm, at, I'm 10 years of doing this. You would think by now I'd gather this down. When I first started pastoring 10 years ago here, the biggest issue I had was hearing the creaking of the pews. That was really the, that was the, that was so weird to get used to, was just the creaking of the pews. And then I got used to it. Now, when we didn't have those pews anymore, I missed the creaking of those pews. And Margie, you're talking about the padded pews. I'm talking about before that. We're talking about the wooden, the solid wooden pews that were here when Laura Ingalls Wilder went to school here, back in those days. That's basically probably when they were from. And so they, they were noisy. And so, and then my distractions have just gotten bigger through the years, but there's always distractions. And a few months ago, I was happy to have distractions back, and now I could care less to ever have another distraction anywhere. And so, is my mic not on? No one can hear me? I tell you. Tell them to be in church and they wouldn't have to worry about it. They can hear me. Oh, they, pro- they probably heard that tonight. Sorry if you heard that. And so, um, is that better? Who's, who's texting you? Oh, it's Alfredo. Okay, he's working. I'll give that to him. Because like Joe was texting me earlier, and it's like if Joe really was concerned about the sound, he would have been in church tonight instead of wherever partying tonight like he is. And so, is that better? Okay, I'll, I'm just going to talk. We're just going to go with it. So, But I've actually, I can remember where I was. Being fizz, no, not, not, not the pews. I know you want to stay there, Margie. You, <laughs> Margie, Margie, Margie. Margie, Margie, Margie. Now I really, no, physically fit. You know what we're going to do? We're going to pray right now. And then I'm going to continue on from there. All right, Father? We love you, and I thank you for this evening, and I thank you for your love for us. And I'm just glad to know you're in control of everything. And even in a service here tonight, you're in control of all of it. You, remember we talked about this morning, Lord, you know everything. You knew people were going to walk in. You knew the microphone wasn't going to work right. You knew all those things. And so what would you want us to do just to preach anyways? And so thank you for meeting here with us tonight. If you'd do me a favor, just put back in my mind what I was going to say a few minutes ago. That would help me out so we can get into the message deeper tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Being physically fit, you need exercise and diet. To be spiritually fit, you need two things as well. You need Bible and prayer. Literally, those are the two you need. You will never be spiritually fit if you do not get in the Word of God. The Word of God is vital to the Christian life. And we've read, if you look through this whole book of James, it's mentioned over and over again, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. We need the Word of God. But we also see as we close out here, we need prayer. Prayer is important. I want you to look with me tonight, and we're going to finish up the chapter. Look at verse number 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. 
Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months, and he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall, have, shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. As we wait for the Lord to come, it's important as we read these verses here for us to be patient and to wait. It's important for us to let God be the judge and not take revenge. We look to the farmer and how he waits for his crops to grow. We see how the prophets and we have their example of how they waited on God. They didn't have the full story as we do about how they got through their things. We see how Job in the midst of his trial still worshiped God in the midst of it. And we just need to keep on going for God till he comes. But if you're going to make it, prayer is vital. Sometimes we look at the end of a book or we read a book or maybe in the Bible too. There are certain things that stick out. If you're looking at the book of James, there's lots of things to take. But if you were to really see the matter of everything, take the first, six, first eight verses and take the last eight. And it pretty much summarizes everything in between. Be patient and pray. That's what James says. Prayer is so important in the Christian life. One man told the story of his church's return to prayer. He said their church was located in a small rural Georgia town and had the typical who's who in the hospital prayer time on Wednesday evenings. And he said that we began to dread the service and felt guilty for feeling that way, he said. Attendance was limited to a few faithful people. And one deacon decided to research the church's history of Wednesday night prayer meetings. Going through records as much as a century old, he discovered that the midweek prayer meeting had been one of the most exciting times in the church's life. His attendance rivaled the Sunday morning crowd. The central element of the prayer meeting was the prayers for the lost. Specific names and situations of family members, friends, co-workers were lifted up in intercessory prayer. Not coincidentally, the number of baptisms in the church was at a recorded high during that time. You know, you have not because he asked not. The deacon reported this history to the congregation. Now, the conclusion of the report, one faithful member declared, we must reclaim the great tradition of prayer in our church. The next Wednesday, a larger-than-usual crowd came to the prayer meeting, some out of conviction, others out of curiosity. For 45 glorious minutes, nothing but intercessory prayer for the lost took place. Word spread about the exciting prayer time, and the crowds grew steadily. Probably the most exciting development took place three months later on a Sunday morning when the church member said, 
when we were totally unprepared for what took place. George Carlson, probably one of the meanest sinners in town, came running down the aisle during the invitation, and George was one of the people we had been praying for every Wednesday night, though none of us really expected him to change. George didn't even try to keep his voice quiet. Every person in the church heard him tell the preacher that if he didn't change his ways, he thought he would die on the spot. The preacher explained to him the way of Christ, and George accepted the Savior right then and there. We all heard him pray out loud, I need your forgiveness, Jesus. I accept you. Please come into my life. And that's when it happened, the church member explained. Almost spontaneously, the church folks broke out into applause, and people began standing and laughing and crying and hugging. Nothing like that ever happened in our stuffy church. Now we see someone accept Christ almost every week, and almost always that person is someone we've prayed for. You can't tell me that prayer isn't powerful. According to the Bible, what did Jesus say? That my house should be a house of prayer. Prayer is important. It's sad when you have a church where you're going to have a potluck dinner and have hundreds come, or 80 or 90 come, and two people come to prayer. We as Christians have our priorities out of whack when it comes to prayer. We do. As Christians, we have all, every, we have, I don't get, we, we got to wake up. The people of God have got to wake up. Do we not realize what's going on in our world around us? Do we not care? Do we not care what's happening? You know, we say, oh, I hope on Tuesday that Trump gets elected. I know that a lot of you sitting in this room would say that. How much time have you spent praying for God's will for this election? How much time? Prayer matters. Does it? If, let's see, let me ask you a question tonight. You say, well, pastor, I'm the one here. I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody here tonight. I'm picking on myself, picking on all of us, picking on you online, picking at everybody. How many of you would say that prayer is important? Would you raise your hand? you're at home, raise it too. God knows and he sees it. So since God knows everything you did this last week that we talked about this morning, does your life prove to God that prayer is important? I hope it does. It should. Prayer matters. We need prayer. We need more prayer meetings. We need less social get-togethers and we need more prayer meetings. There's no reason why we shouldn't have a prayer meeting every single week where many people come and pray. Say, oh, but pastor, it's at an inconvenient. Is there ever a convenient time? Let's just do it at 3 o'clock in the morning. There's nothing going on at that time except you sleeping. Then that would be inconvenient. You can always find a reason not to do something. We all can. But is prayer really important? We need prayer. We see this passage tonight. And I want to take a few minutes and try and teach you what James is trying to teach us about prayer. And I want to see tonight and talk about the believer and his prayer life. Number one, we see the challenge to pray. The challenge to pray, verse number 13, is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is there any merry? Let him sing psalms. Any of you sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We see there are times. And I've had people, I could tell you stories, and I'm not going to do that tonight. I'll tell you one story. One of the things they don't teach you in Bible college is how to anoint someone with oil. They never taught you that lesson. That was never given in Bible college. I don't know why. If, if I do, you know, I've teach, taught some, if they have me teach a pastoral class, I'm going to teach the young men in that class how to anoint someone with oil. 
is much different than what I pictured. A few years ago, Rebecca Rosales had cancer. They asked me to come over and to anoint her with oil. I thought, great, I'll do this. It's scriptural. We're going to do this. Went over to her house, and I had some olive oil, and I'm like, I've never seen anybody do this before. This is going to be good. We're going to make this work. One of the things I remember the most is she was in her living room, and she knelt down, and we were going to pray over her, and she was wearing a nice white sweater. That's the one thing I do remember. And they had carpet in that area of the house right where we were. And for some reason, I was thinking this olive oil was going to be super thick, you know, and I could just pour a little bit in my hand. And nope, I pour it in my hand, and it's starting to ooze out the sides, and it's as liquidy, and I'm like, okay, it's in my hand. What do you do with this? Like, you know, do you take your thumb and do like uh, on uh, the Lion King, what that one guy does, and you know, do a little cross over the head and pray? What do you do? I didn't get taught this thing. And the oil's going to start dripping through my hand. So what do you do, pastor? Took my hand and put it on her forehead just like that and just started praying. How, she's not going to know we're praying. Her eyes are closed. My eyes are halfway closed because I see it dripping down, getting all over her, getting everywhere. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, hoping it would dry up, and it never dried up. She probably still has oil on her hair and things from me several years ago. But that's biblical. It's a biblical thing. I don't need to use so much. And I've learned, I've learned, I've learned. First time you do something, you got to learn this a little bit. So if anybody ever in here is going to be a preacher or one of those and you're going to anoint someone with oil, let me give you some advice before you do it, all right? And uh, don't bring a big bottle like that either. <laughs> it's like a big old bottle of motor oil. <laughs> no, you don't need anything that big. It's okay. It doesn't have to be that big. And uh, anyways, and so it says, And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Father. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, then shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We see the challenge to pray. If you notice, sign through verse 13 through verse number 16, even go down to verse number 18, you see prayer mentioned over and over and over and over again. And First thing that we see, letter A, is we see the subjects to pray for. What are some things to pray for? Well, number one, affliction. The Bible says right here, an affliction means to endure hardship. Those who are going through a struggle in life or going through the trials of life, we are to pray for them. It says there, you saw there in verse number, our verse there in verse number 13, is any among you afflicted? Anyone going through a hard time in life? Anyone having trials? Pray. We need to pray. That's why the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When you're afflicted, when you're going through a trial, and you might look at that word afflicted and think it means some big thing, but as I just mentioned to you a second ago here, it just means going through a hardship. Your hardship could be something where someone else looks at it, and that's nothing. Your hardship's nothing compared to what I'm going through. You don't know that. Don't ever compare. If you're going through a hard time, you know what you need to do? You need to pray. You need to take it to God. Pray. You need to pray when you're afflicted. You need to pray, letter or number two, in sickness. In sickness. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And I want you to understand something. It's not the um, it's not the elders of the church or the pastors of the church that have power to do anything. The very next verse, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. God understands we look at this, God can heal today, and he does. And I had someone a while back, they came to my office through COVID and things. They wanted to sit down. They're like, I don't know much about a Baptist church. How do you feel about speaking in tongues and healing? Those were the two things they wanted to talk about. And I said, I don't believe that speaking in tongues was for us. I believe when the Bible is finished that that was done away with. And I said, healing, I believe the same. They're like, you can't be healed? I said, yes, you can be healed. But it's the prayer of faith. It's the Lord that heals. I can't touch you and heal you. I can't smack you on the forehead and have you fall over backwards and get better. There's no Benny, Benny Hinn style stuff that goes on. That stuff's not real. And it's amazing to me. And you'll hear some people, and you'll hear people who are really convinced that God healed them through one of those people. You know, my grandma, she died before I was born. But when she was young, she was pretty sick. And she did say that one of those, one of those faith healers healed her. And I, you say, do you believe that they did it? No, I believe God did it. You know, I've seen down by my parents' house, someone had a tent a while back. Faith healing, stop by, $15. And you know what they'll say, though, is, you know, Russ goes there and says, all right, I want my back healed. 15 bucks, I'll go for it. I've paid for surgeries. I've paid for medicine. I'll, ta- I'll have my back healed. Go ahead. And then if it doesn't work, oh, you just didn't have the faith, brother. You just didn't have the faith. That's what it was. But, hey, when we're sick, when others are sick, we're called to pray for them. Call them by name. That's why... You know, and we're, I think Mona's starting to get a hand, the handle on this new prayer chain thing. She did, she's like, it's not, I need more letters. I can't just have, it's good she's limited in letters. I said, just calm it down a little bit. Take a few of your hearts out. Take a little bit of the emotion. Just get basic and plain. Just get the message out, the person and what's going on. Said so we don't need a 10-hour biography of everything going on in that person's life. Now, if you want to send me your biography, I will read it all and I'll pray over everything you give me. And if you want to send it to Mona, send it to Mona as well. But we don't need to send, we need to pray for one another, though. When we're sick, we need to pray. Call out others' name in prayer. God is the healer. And therefore, we go to him in prayer on behalf of those who are afflicted and those who are sick. The third thing that we see about when to pray is we pray for the brethren. We are to be in prayer for one another in the family of God. You see that all through here. Pray for people. Hey, you want to be a good church member tonight? Do you pray for your fellow members? Do you have their requests? Hey, when you get that prayer chain text message, do you just look at it and forget about it? If it was your dad that Stephanie sent about tonight, it's Patrick's dad with sepsis. You would want someone to pray for your dad. Do you pray for those? I hope you do. We need to pray for one another. Just in this room tonight, there are many that are struggling. Do you pray for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? You should. Prayer is important. Prayer needs to be a part of things. We see we need to pray for the afflicted. We need to pray, pray for sickness. Pray for, bro, for the brethren. And pray, you know... If we see here, is any Mary, let him sing psalms. We could pray about joy. 
express it to God in prayer through singing to Him. It's what we see right here. We see the subjects for prayer, number letter B, we see the strength of prayer. Verse 15 tells us, it mentions the prayer of faith. You see that right there? And faith, you got to understand something tonight, church. Faith is what gives our prayer strength and effectiveness. If you go to God and don't believe that he's able to do what you're asking him to do, then why do you go to him? The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you pray and you really don't believe that God can do what you're asking him to do, why pray? Faith is so important behind the prayers. And the Bible tells us, you go back to James chapter number one, go back to chapter number one, it says, verse number five, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And look what it says, but let him ask in, what? in faith, nothing wavering. Believe that God will do what God says he will do. Because the Bible says, pray that wavereth is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And faith is an essential ingredient to effective prayer. You say, pastor, I believe in prayer and I pray. Do you believe in the God that you pray to? Because being spiritually fit, I told you two things. You need to read your Bible, you need to pray. But your prayers will not be effective if you don't have faith in the God that you're praying to. And I was like, we as Christians, and I've seen so much of it the past several days, it, you go on Facebook, you go on social media, and a lot of Christians are like doom and gloom. If Tuesday doesn't go the way they think Tuesday should go, they're thinking it's all over. What in the world are we going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wake up Wednesday morning and do what I do every day and thank God for another day to live. And on Wednesday, I'm going to get up. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to teach the teenagers in the evening. And we're going to have Wednesday night Bible study, no matter who's going to be the next president of the United States. Could our job get a little tougher? Sure. But it's not doom and gloom. The world, it could get a lot worse, okay? And it's going to. I, just, I can't believe Christians and their attitude about it. Just have faith in God. Trust Him. You trust Him for salvation, but you can't trust Him about whoever He lets be president. So God would never let Biden be president. Just like He never would let Nebuchadnezzar be king over Israel. He would never let that happen. And He wouldn't let Alexander the Great conquer the known world, would He? Or he wouldn't let Caesar Augustus be in charge of Jesus, or Herod, or Pontius Pilate. He would never do any of those things. God's still in control. And when it comes to prayer, we need faith. When Hudson Taylor went to China, he made the voyage on a sailing ship, and as it entered the channel between the southern uh, um, peninsula and the island of one of those islands anyways, the missionary heard an urgent knock on the stateroom door. He opened it, and there stood the captain of the ship. And he said, Mr. Taylor, he said, we have no wind. We're drifting toward an island where the people are heathen, and I fear that they're cannibals. What can I do? Asked Taylor. The, the captain said, I understand that you believe in God. I want you to pray for wind. All right, captain, I will, but you must set the sail. 
kind of said, why, that's ridiculous. There's not even the slightest breeze. Besides, the sailors will think I'm crazy. Nevertheless, the captain finally agreed, and 45 minutes later, he returned and found the missionary still on his knees. He told me, you can stop praying now. We've got more wind than we know what to do with. Remember how Jesus told Peter, hey, take your net and go back out. Why would I do that? I was fishing all night. I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. There are no fish biting. This isn't even the right time of day to get fish. Go get the fish. Faith. When you pray, is it a prayer in faith? You believe God. When you pray for that loved one that you've been praying for years for them to get saved, do you actually believe that God will save them? Or do you just pray just because? That family member who's been sick for the longest time, do you actually believe that God could take their sickness away? The prayer of faith, we see that right here. And how we need to pray in the strength of prayer. We see what we need to pray for. We see the strength of prayer. And then we see, let her see, the source of prayer. The source of prayer. We see it all throughout the book here. What is the source of prayer? of prayer. All prevailing prayer has its roots in the written Word of God. If you have a need, doesn't the Bible tell you that God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus? If you have a fear, doesn't the Bible tell you that God will replace that fear and the peace of God which passes all understanding will shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus? And God has not given us the spirit of fear but a power love and a sound mind? Is there a burden in your life? You cast all your care upon him because he careth for you. Is there a need for someone to be saved? Let God deal with that. Is there a sin you need to be forgiven if we confess our sins? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All I'm trying to say with this is when we pray, we can only pray in faith if we base our prayers on the revealed will of God. And that's found in his book. But God says, ask, and it'll be given to me. Go ahead, ask him for a million dollars. Maybe it's God's will you get a million dollars. Pray it. Maybe it's his will. If you get it, tithe extra on it. But a lot of times what we do is we, we give God our wish list. That's how we pray. God, I want this. And I want this. And while you're doing that, you know, we, you know how we really treat God? This morning, we looked at the fact that God thinks about us constantly. He knows everything about us. He loves us more than anybody could ever love us. And it's 7 o'clock. I'm not going to even finish the message tonight. We treat God like he's a genie in a lamp. I have three wishes. That's not how God should be treated. Prayer is important. Say, so what do we pray for? The afflicted, the sick, the brethren. What's the strength of prayer? Faith is. Faith is the strength of prayer. Believing that God will do what God says he will do. And then we see the source of prayer is the word of God. That's as far as we're going to get tonight. You save your notes and next week we'll finish up the message here. Probably spend a 
lot of time on prayer, and, and I don't know, I've been praying about it, and I might talk about prayer when we're done. seems like I talk about prayer every once in a while, but prayer needs to be more important in the lives of God's people. We'll look more at it next week. I'm going to pray, and we're going to be dismissed tonight. Um, for the kids outside, they each got a bag of candy tonight and some good things. There are snow cones and cotton candy that we had for them tonight. If there's any big kid in here that would like some snow cones or a cotton candy, you're welcome to go out and get one. You can tell them I gave you permission to, okay? So it's all right. Just don't eat too much and get a stomach ache and be up all night and blame me for it, okay? Don't have self-control, okay? Let's have a word of prayer. Be on our way tonight. Father, we love you. We thank you for this evening, and we thank you for your love. Bless your people. Bless this week. We know you're in control of everything, and I pray that you just guide this week. And when we come back Wednesday, we will probably know who our next president will be. May we come in on Wednesday praising you like we did today and any other time, no matter what happens on Tuesday or Wednesday. Or if it lasts till the weekend, only you know. We know you're in control. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.